Hello, and welcome to Steeped in Mystery. I'm Amanda. I'm Jenna. Jenna, oh my goodness. So we have like, it's a black and white tea today? It's a black and white tea with ginseng. Ooh, I like ginseng a lot. Because I need a little bit of pick-me-up today. It's been a long day already. Yeah, I feel that in my soul. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. The fact that it's iced is even better because I... It's it's a hot day today. I swear my yard looks like scorched earth. It went from green, luscious garden to scorched earth. Yeah. I'm so salty about it. <laughs> I know. I know. I feel ya. Well, I have a very special topic today. I'm so excited for today's topic. I, I know like this little bit much. So we're kind of going back down to the basin, but not exactly. Right. So we're going off to the Wasatch Mountains, and we are going to have some fun times following Thomas Rhodes and his mine. Is that the Lost Rhodes mine? It is indeed. Good giddy aunt. Um, so let's get a little background on who Thomas Rhodes is and kind of, you know, where he started and... Why he matters at all. Okay, that sounds great. Okay, so Thomas Rhodes was born in Kentucky. Oh. And he actually fought in the War of 1812. Okay. So he he was in the military, and then uh, after the war was over, he moved up north to Illinois. Um, it was there that he joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They were still in their super early days. Okay. They had just been pushed out of New York into Illinois. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, while he was still fairly new to the church, uh, the current leader at the time, a prophet, as they say, Joseph Smith, died. And suddenly the talks of moving further west went from maybe we should do that to we have to do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it was at this point, after gaining some permission, um, Rhodes, along with a bunch of others, set out to scout uh, territory ahead of the rest of them. This was about one year before the LDS pioneers started to cross. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is kind of, I mean, this really is new information to me. I mean, I grew up in the church as we say out here but um this is history that's new to me yeah so he was he was a pretty big part uh of the church at that point um, okay enough so that brigham young trusted him brigham young was now the new president and or prophet at sure. the time and brigham young trusted him to lead this group out west uh this was around may 1840 at this point, none of them. Brigham Young, n- no one. Not a clue had where they were going to settle or set roots. Wow. So they just kind of did what everyone was doing at that time, and they went to California. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because why not? So they followed the Oregon Trail. And sure. And, and headed to California. Um, they just barely made it out of the Sierra Nevada mountains before the winter hit, only to have to turn around to help the people that remained of the Donner Party. Shut the front door. I know. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. 
So him and, and others were part of the rescue group. For the Donner Party. For the Donner Party. Now that's crazy to me because I thought the Donner Party always came after Salt Lake was settled. No. It was before. It was before. Wow. Okay. Color me surprised. Yeah. So um, they go back there for them. And all this got me thinking is how we were talking about um, Wendigo's uh -huh. discussion of the Donner Party. Yep. And how they are often associated with a greediness. Mm. I just just keep bear, bear that in mind with me. Mm, you're just throwing that out there to... To throw it out there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Alrighty. So, so then in October of 1846, uh, Thomas uh, Rhodes acquired a huge plot of land there in Sacramento, in the Sacramento Valley along the... Casumenes River. I hope I said that right. And he then befriended a guy named John Augustus Sutter, who employed him. Okay. Sutter was running a mine. Ha ha ha. And a mill. It was Sutter who hmm. found a bunch of gold and triggered the gold rush of 1849. Yes, he did. So, this guy, Rhodes, working for him, gets to hop on the train and is paid in gold dust. And along with that, they also collected a bunch of gold from what are known as placer mines. I had to look this up. I had huh. no idea what a placer mine was. Yeah, I don't either. So, um, there were a few different diagrams and, you know, Wikipedia's definition was kind of weirdly phrased so i'm just going to kind of explain what i saw in the diagrams okay it's kind of a, a setup where it's either a small catching pan set up right on a river kind of rudged up or a long trail that pulls off the river so basically you're creating your own little almost like fish catch where the water comes down oh, and okay. goes through and you get little bits so anyone can just set a little thing next to the river fingers crossed hope they get some passive gold and the water just Runs over it and, oh, yeah okay. So it's something you kind of set right. up at the beginning of a day, like a fish trap, go back at the end and hope you caught something. Well, okay then. So him and his family not only got paid with that gold dust, but was collecting gold on the side as well. Okay. It was then in August of 1849, after Brigham Young issued a call to return to Zion... Mm. aka the salt lake valley because they were oh, so okay. convinced and still are convinced that that is the new zion right right um that uh Rhodes, alongside a man named samuel brannon who we never hear his name again in Rhodes' story but i thought it was really funny that out of all the people who were listed by name he was so hmm. if, so if anyone ever finds more information on him i'm kind of curious why he got mentioned yeah why like, you got an honorable mention yeah <laughs> literally all this okay stuff, i was reading through like four or five different sites and his name kept coming up but he doesn't do anything except for go with thomas huh uh back to salt lake they set up like a wagon train and made the long march all the way back to the salt lake valley okay so thanks samuel brandon for bringing him back to utah safe question mark thanks for bringing him back in to the fold. To the fold. Yes. Don't do that voice again. It's a little creepy. <laughs> okay. Um, in October of 1849, uh, Rhodes is recorded having donated 
$10,846 to the Mormon church. At today's rate, that equates to $429,767.82. So basically half a million. Yeah, half a million dollars. Holy shnikey. Yeah, so his family gained a lot of affluence there. Um, Gotcha. Brigham Young, who is advocating as much as he could against going to California for the gold rush and getting the people to stay there and saying, no, don't be tempted by greed. Uh, You know, Rhodes is just the only one who was actually came out of the gold rush wealthy Mm. he was the wealthiest man to come from the california mines yeah i have i might have some words on that in in my notes yeah i i I don't know how true that is but i will say that he was wealthy enough that it a block south of temple square where that like mall is Mm -hmm. uh him he built himself the finest home in the valley and then provided each of his four wives with elegant homes so that so basically he had a house for himself four wives and for his three dozen children good lordy that's like his own dang community oh man he had a minor league football team right there yeah like (laughs) yeah yeah he he came back from california a rich rich man yeah so later he's he gets called by Brigham Young again for a special commission. But before we get there, I asked you to look up a little bit more on the how the Mormon church gained its wealth and sort of yeah. his role in that. And I, I was curious as yeah. to what he found because I was like... So this was, this was a little bit difficult to find. And I'll tell you why. Um, because there's tons and tons and tons of information out there. Uh, official websites and and stuff for the LDS church that and you know their history they're big on you know documenting their history and and everything that happens within the church and in that way it's helpful to researchers because there's so much documentation that said a lot of it is clouded by yes certain bigotries i've noticed well bigotries or Rose-colored glasses. That's a that's a better way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is the information that I found. Okay. So when I tried to find out how the Mormon Church had the funds to build the the LDS Temple in Salt Lake, um, and it's interesting because growing up in the church, they tell you it was all of the people of the church coming together and it was small paying guys put together paying tithes and doing stuff. But but here's the thing. So here's the backstory that I found. Um, the the LDS Church claimed that once they got to the Salt Lake Valley in Utah, and this isn't so much a claim. This is actually documented that. That when they got to the Salt Lake Valley in Utah, they were penniless. Yeah. The vast majority, in fact, if not all, because they, they'd been chased, you know, they'd built up a community in... in New York, in you know, Elmira. New York, and they got chased out. They built up a community in Illinois, and they got chased out. They built up a community in... Uh, 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 no, Missouri... Yeah. Got chased out. So, I mean, they had really spent, by that time, spent the majority of whatever wealth their members and the church had had. Yeah. 
And um, I mean, I think that's reflected too in how they came to the to the Salt Lake Valley in hand carts. And I mean, if you had a team of oxen, you were yeah, you had money. But they, most people traveled by foot, pulling their own carts. They did not have a lot of wagons, and they no. were usually used for their like uh, scouting teams and or behind. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they were pulling carts. Yeah, literally. Yep. So how did they build their temple made of solid granite? Solid granite. And they, you know, obviously they, they, they got the mind it from the, the Wasatch Mountains, 15 miles away from the, the temple site. But here's the thing. You've got to still be able to maintain some type of uh, societal Bartering structure. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you have to have those that are working on the temple, those that are growing food to feed the people that are working on the temple, but then you have to have a way of compensating and trading and... And, and mind you, when I was part of the church, I got lecture after lecture about um, how they all receive special gifts from God because none of them moving into the Salt Lake Valley really had any idea about how to build or do anything these were people from rich affluent families or the poorest of the poor that were like miners from from england they they were not your middle class skilled laborers no they 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 were not equipped with the tools needed to do some of the things they did so exactly so um church officials in the documentation that I could find that wasn't church endorsed <laughs> was that they made the church made it sound like that the the gold to build the gold to build the temple came from the California gold rush I mean it so it is right but there are a couple of problems with that one the church was against gold prospecting. Yeah. And and you said that, that, you know, the evils of greed, blah, blah, blah. Well, in my research, I actually found that it was believed to be due to keeping the members close together and focused on the development of the Salt Lake Valley. Yeah, they were pushing much to actually build a community and mm-hmm. really pushing to have children to jo- build right. their ranks. right. So the church was so against prospecting that members could be excommunicated if they didn't follow oh, really? this teaching. Yes. Oh, really? That's what I saw in my research. Hmm. But the funny thing was, it was only about two years after arriving in Utah that the church was actually minting gold coins and Warming using... Money gold leaf to decorate the temple and the statue on the top the what they call the angel moroni Hmm. but this money didn't come from california gold rush because the gold rush started in january of 1848 the mormons settled utah in 1847 so just a i mean just a year before the gold rush but they weren't allowed to mine. So did Rhodes really come over with that much money? Well, did Rhodes really come over with all that money? Or 
did Rhodes, like you said, did he, in looking for a place for them to stay, did he go to California and make riches and go back? But the thing that I have that I, I think I don't agree with that is because if he was scouting for them in 1840 and he stayed there until they actually landed in Salt Lake. That's a long time. Yeah, that's, that's seven years. Yeah. Right. So there's another theory that the Mormons could have made money selling supplies to the people traveling to California to prospect. Now, I had actually heard that as a kid. Yeah. That the Mormons made a lot of money, you know, trading horses, I mean, supplies and stuff for, yep, for people headed towards California. But there's another problem with that. Most of the paths or trails bypass the Salt Lake Valley due to the Mormons. Yeah, they didn't. And the terrain. It was easier to go like north of Utah or south of Utah into California. If, if you've ever driven through there, you know trying to go through the canyons surrounding Salt Lake Valley is oh, a yeah. Canyon, but even in a car. Yeah, the road. Wasatch Mountains are... You're better off shooting... It's like north. it's like a, a, a hundred times worse than the Sierra Nevadas. Yeah. You just have to avoid them. Yeah. Or you're doomed. Like in today's days, if someone yeah. got locked into Provo Canyon... You're, you're toast. Yeah. Yeah, or, or even in the Uintas yeah. in the winter. So... So that's the thing. And 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 I will say this too. The Mormons arrived in the Salt Lake Valley a year before the gold rush. So how much supplies did they actually have that they could sell to people traveling to California? Well, not a lot because again, they were pulling handcarts and what came in the wagons was right. mostly robbed off of them yeah. or lost or used. They ended up. That's what I'm saying. Taking the carts apart and using them for fuel when they needed it. In the colder months, they ended up killing most of their animals that came with them. Exactly. Like they literally, when they got to the Salt Lake, they Valley, were dirt poor. Beyond dirt right. poor. Which All they had kudos, was dirt. Kudos to them from getting right. There to where oh they, yeah, totally. They were two years later, but totally. It is. It's not exactly like they had a lot to trade. No, no, and. And I think me and you are in an advantage because we we have this history, kind of, we grew up with this history. But I must say, revisiting it as an adult, and as an adult that is not a practicing Separ- member. Separ- separating, <laughs> separating it from the ties to God and how God might have played in those advances makes a difference on how it's perceived yes yes so this is how i how i think they really came across the money how they came across the gold so early on uh the mormon pioneers uh, um in the mormon pioneers arrival a man named isaac morley oh yes became friends with a chief of the Northern Ute tribe, Chief Wakara. Ah, yes. And that's that's who... Um, I, I, I've got a little more on that, too. Okay. So interject if you want to add stuff. So Brother Morley 
was a company leader of a team going south to settle the San Pete Valley. So that was also a very common thing. Once they had established a community in the Salt Lake Valley, it was fan out and take up as much land as, as we can. So that no one pushes us out again. Bingo. So in his journals, he describes his relationships with the Indians and Chief Wakara and how they became close. Eventually, Chief Wakara would demand he take Brother Morley to, and and forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, Kershinub or Kershinub or translated into English, the sacred mine. Okay, so this is where our stories differ a little bit, though. Oh, so maybe I should finish my piece yeah, and you yeah, can, yeah. oh. Yeah, because I'm curious. Ooh, okay, so this sacred place was supposedly built by the ancestors of the Utes and was said to hold millions of dollars in very pure, refined gold. That's important, the refined gold part. Yeah, because uh, non-refined gold... You That's have... just... Yeah, you still have to refine it. You still have to uh, take out all the impurities and things. So It's a process. Exactly. You have to have smelters and all kinds of other stuff. So uh, Chief Wakara admitted to Brother Morley that he had received a vision from Towats, or God that he should give the gold to the tall hats when they arrived. And during this time period, think Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. You know, the top hat, the tall beaver hat. I'm, I'm almost positive that's what he's talking about, right? Uh, so with the church's permission, uh, the chief led Brother Morley to care Sinab. What, what do you think he found there? Gold. Yes. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> that wasn't so much a test. <laughs> here's, the, here's the place where we hit our gold. Guess what's in it? Gold. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Me too. Okay. So Brother Morley was said to have collected 58 pounds of refined gold and sent it on to Salt Lake to the church. Hmm. 55 pounds. Hmm. That's like 16 ounces per pound. Quick calculation. We're talking millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. And sure. even back then, we're talking tens of thousands. A lot of money. A lot of money. Listen, if someone hands me 58 pounds of gold... One, I'm not going to be able to carry that. Well, no, I probably wouldn't be able to carry that much gold. I'd make myself. <laughs> Put it on a blanket and just drag it behind yeah. me. There Put we go. Put it in my shirt. We're yep. <laughs> there we go. I can, I, it'll, it'll fit. It'll fit. Okay. So um, the church was said to have used the gold to mint coins to pay for the temple construction and roads. So they actually started paying the laborers that were working on the temple in gold coins because they realized that even though people were donating their time to build the temple, you can't sustain a society on 
it's really it difficult. Cuts off your it's like to use commerce from outside right, places. Right. Exactly. So it's like utopias sound great until they're not great. Theory not practice. Right. Right. Because you've got to have a way for people to yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. So because they were building roads as well with that money, it started connecting all these little settlements and towns together. So at one point, the president of the church, Brigham Young, actually traveled to San Pete and named the city Manti. I'm familiar with Manti. Mm-hmm. That's also a big, a big, I, I would say big, but it's actually when I was growing up, it was a little teeny, teeny town. It's still a significant hub for yes the lds church yes it is correct so he also met with uh brother morley and the chief wakara to discuss getting more gold down from the uinta mountains ah so Mm -hmm. this must be where my part comes in it could be okay it could be Go, go on. I, I, yep, I have a couple. Of, no, no, just, you're, so, you're so good. Just a smidge more. Okay, so Brigham Young explained that the gold would be used to build a great house or temple dedicated to Toats, or God, and that it would be a sacred place built in his honor. So Chief Wakara happily agreed. He's like, oh my gosh, yes, because... The gold is in a sacred place. You're going to use the gold to build a sacred place. Okay, we gotcha. We gotcha. We're going we're gonna to do it. But with one condition. He agreed, but with one condition. Only one man was to know where the mine was, and that man had to be trusted by both parties. So Brother Morley was quickly nominated, but he said he was too old to make the trip. So what happens then, you say? If he's too old to make the trip, but yet Brigham Young knows there's a whole lot of money in them there hills in that sacred mine. So in May of 1852, so five years after, after the Mormons came to the Salt Lake Valley, Brigham Young found a new man, Thomas Rhodes, and took him to meet the chief. And the chief tentatively agreed. Yes. So that's my background that I've got. And then I go into, let me just give a teaser. So where did all this refined gold come from, you say? Hmm. I think we'll circle back to that. (laughs) Yeah. So in 1852, Brigham Young commissions Rhodes to salvage and or steal hidden gold (laughs) Um, only known to the Ute Indians. Right. Uh, Chief Wakara renamed Chief Walker when he was baptized into the LDS church. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Supposedly agreed to reveal the gold's location, but with conditions, as you were saying. Right. Now, you mentioned condition number one. The gold was only to be used... uh, um, to benefit the church, and only one person was to know the location of Correct. Mm-hmm. Additionally, that person would be under constant surveillance from the tribe. Oh. Each trip, the individual could only take as much as they could carry alone 
Okay. And breaking any of these rules would result in execution. Oh, dang. Yeah. So the, the, the other piece of information that I got, and I didn't mention it in my part because I thought that was kind of a tangent, but Chief Wakara also wanted Brigham Young to broker like a true deal with the Shoshone and the Utes. Really? I don't know if you came across that or not. I didn't. Okay. So yeah, he d- he just wanted Brigham Young to act as a as a mediator between the two and yeah and help broker a tre- pre- peace deal, which he did. That's good. Right. So I mean, this is kind of fascinating that you found these different tidbits than I found. <laughs> I I love the internet for that. <sighs> so as you said, the site was called uh, Kershinob, or there dwells the Great Spirit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, The Utes had no love for the gold there. Um, In fact, they held um, resentment for it because they had Spanish overlords who had once mined it at their expense. So it sounds like the Spanish had them sort of um, working as free laborers. Enslaved? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. To work on these mines. Um, and speculation on the gold goes from the Aztec stockpiles to mines established by this, uh, Spanish prior to 1776. Um, this can be backed up, uh, by the fact that, uh, arche- or not archaeologists, geologists who later would scope out the area would find Spanish artifacts and Spanish smelting pots. However... They're still not entirely sure how the Spanish would have found that mine and how they would have got the Ute tribe to agree. And so the right. rumor of Aztec stockpiles or even an El Dorado has spiraled from that in the yes. community. Yes, yes. And that's why I asked you to look into the Aztecs. Okay, so fun fact. Um, just to digress for another moment, I was watching a documentary on the Superstition Mountains in um, uh, Arizona, I believe. Yes, Arizona. And the Superstition Mountains is rumored to have gold buried all over there too. But people hunting for gold there have, have actually found Spanish conquistador uh, uh, artifacts, like spurs. Very, they had a specific style of spur that they would wear on their horses, and so the documentary I was watching, they they actually showed the the conquistador spur, and then they and then a um, belt buckle, a very specific belt buckle. So the Aztecs and Spaniards are consistently going kind of hand in hand on a lot of this stuff. Y- yes, and when you think about it, the Aztec Empire was in Mexico. Yeah. And the Mexico Empire at one point included southern United States yeah. states. So like California, Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico. Well, prior to like the, they, what was it, the Louisiana Purchase? Where it was, I, it was one of those right. purchases right. where we acquired basically what is now the United States from Mexico. Yes, yes. And so... Um, I think that there's evidence that the conquistadors came up into the America, up into what we know as the United States now. 
but why? What motivated them the only people they to come this far north? Were the Aztecs at that exactly. time. Exactly. Exactly. So how did the Aztecs play in? So let me share just a little bit, a teeny bit of information I have about that. Okay. Okay. So in the, the research I found is that the refined gold actually did come from the Aztecs because the Aztecs knew how to refine it. Yeah. And they believed that 300 years prior, the Aztecs were actually forced to bring their wealth this far north in an effort to keep it out of the reach of the Spanish conquistadors. So there is surprising evidence that the Aztecs settled in small groups in various states in the U.S. to escape the warfare, drought in Mexico, and the Spanish. Right. Just to hurry, let's get up north and, yes. and take what we can. Yes. Yes. And according to the Aztecs themselves, they actually came from Azatlan. Their original homeland, which was a great distance north. And over many, many years, they actually migrated down to Mexico. Huh. Uh Uh-huh. There is a theory that the original home of the Aztecs is actually Utah. Um, Azatlan was described as an area of red rocks and four rivers. So two scientists in 1990, and, and I didn't corroborate this cause I, I didn't go down that specific rabbit hole cause we're, we're doing Rhodes mine, but this has so much to do with it. I just had to add this piece. So two scientists, Alfonso Rivas Salmon and Cecilio Orozco believe the four rivers were the Green, the Upper Colorado, the San Juan, and the Lower Colorado. The four big ones. The four big rivers, all located in southern Utah, as well as the Red Rocks. I mean, if you haven't been to southern Utah, the Red Rocks there is gorgeous. Yeah, it's... Yeah, but here's the other clincher. Canyon walls in Utah have Aztec-type petroglyphs featuring their way of counting, which were knots on a rope. Right. And the calendar, which was divided into four, then divided into eight, and the Venus year cycle. Wow. Yes. That's pretty cool. Right? So they actually they actually thought that around 500 BCE, the Aztecs actually did live in southern Utah. And that would make sense because we have all the, um, uh, gosh, I, I lost it for a second, but all the adobe dwellings that are built into the, the rock cliffs down there. And we know that there was a people there and then they just left. Yeah. And so they, I mean, obviously thought it was from drought conditions. But the story is, is that they migrated south because of the drought and stuff there. 
And so I feel like when the Aztec come came under attack and under dominion of the Spanish conquistadors, because they were ruthless. They did enslave them. They did take all their gold. They were brutal and bloody. Yeah. they. It was worse than anything the Aztecs ever did to themselves. But think about it from their point of view. If you're under attack, if your way of living is under attack, and you know you have a homeland somewhere else, wouldn't you want to get back to that homeland? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so I mean, to me... Just even that piece of information, I'm like, that's a no-brainer. That is legit a no-brainer. And they actually said it was part of Montezuma's treasure. So Montezuma's treasure. And I've, I, I did see uh, quite a few res- resources that said Montezuma's treasure. So they actually think that small groups were sent out with portions of Montezuma's treasure to, to go back to Aztlan. Az- and sort of disperse it. And keep it safe. And we already know that they were great builders. They built pyramids for heaven's sake. Yeah. So the fact that they, my thought is they found natural cave systems and used them to their advantage. Yeah. I, but that's my little bit of. I would argue that as well. Yeah. Because local rumor was that it was Aztec gold. In the in the yes. Mountains, mm-hmm. and some argued even in the Uinta Mountains as right. well. And um, that's the only way you could legitimately get refined gold, though. Yeah, at that time. I mean, the the, the Native Americans did not have that. They didn't need to knowledge. They didn't need to. It wasn't, right. It wasn't part of their way of living. Exactly. I it had no value. They, if you can't eat it, wear it, or live with live under it, what's the there, point? Yeah, there's no value to it. Yeah. Right. So, um, so Thomas mm-hmm. agrees to these terms. He even swears on the Book of Mormon, which is like oh. the equivalent of swearing on the Bible. Bible, or, yep. Or, or you know, like signing a non-disclosure. <laughs> right. <laughs> I will sign an NDA. So he agrees to this, and each time he goes up, each week for him to get the gold and bring it back takes two weeks. Wow. And the Rhodes family records state that the first trip brought back an astonishing 62 pounds of refined gold. And yep. I did do the math and calculations on this. <gasps> to, in today's terms, that is 1948987 dollars and 36 cents worth of gold on the first trip. $2 million, basically. Wow. On the first trip. What, then money or now money? Now money. Oh, okay. But, but still. But still, I mean. Oh, yeah. Two weeks to get $2 million? Sign me up. <laughs> right. So if you think about it, it would take about a week to go into the back country from Salt Lake and, and then, then a week to come back. He wasn't mining when he was there. No. It's, there's no way. But it, he wasn't mining. No. He wasn't mining. No. Uh, if you've ever tried to just break one singular rock in your backyard, or if you've ever tried to open a coconut at home, you know he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of the little, the, the Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. 
work, 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 all day long. Seriously, like a coconut's not even a rock and it takes forever unless you know what you're doing. Even then, it's like, I need to give up. I'm never doing this again. Right. You start questioning your sanity by hour three. No, for sure. Yeah. Um. So he makes several of these trips. Um. But in the summer of 1855, he becomes ill and his son Caleb takes over. Mm-hmm. According to the Rhodes records, um, the angel on top of the Salt Lake Temple was plated with the Indian gold is what they called it. Right. As were so some of the trimmings inside the temple. So if you guys have never been inside one of the temples, which you probably haven't because they only let you in for open houses, or if you're one of the very special select few Ultra Plus Class Eagle 500 uh, million subscriber. That, yeah, that has the little, the little card. Yeah. Card-carrying yeah. member. You really got to be exclusive to get into that club. Yes. But I, I have been inside that so, temple. So... I haven't been inside the uh, the Salt Lake Temple, but I've been inside a temple. Oh, I have been inside the si- Salt Lake Temple. Oh. And it... Legit is... There's gold... Leaf everywhere? Everywhere. Oh, my gosh. Like, you'd think you'd walked into a cartoon rich person's bougie-ass house. No! Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised. Yeah. So they start minting the money around this time. Uh, sure, sure. Uh, in December of that year, though, Rhodes obtains a land grant for the area now known as Camas Valley. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, around this time, Chief Walker had died, and that year, uh, that year, and while his successor, Arapine, Arapine. I don't know which way to pronounce it, allowed the roads to take uh, from, as as the roads described it, the tribe's private store. Hmm. hmm. That doesn't yeah. sound like a chip, chip, chip mine. Yeah, no. Uh, his successor, Chief Tabby, had denied access. So in an attempt to get a better grip on the land, they... Uh, searched for another land grant uh, his son Caleb did. What? And um, they said in exchange for this land grant of basically giving them the land and taking it from the natives, Mm -hmm. that they would be willing to pay the national debt, which at the time stood at $100 million. Good Lord. It was denied. (laughs) It was still denied, even though they said they would contribute to the national debt? Well... It's two random farmers saying they're mining gold that fast and they can pay it. Oh. It doesn't sound legit. So they're turned out. Okay, yeah, I could see how Washington would be like, these crazy Mormons. When the government then later sent the geologist who found the artifacts, they looked and saw all these different signs of mining, but Mm. no mines. Huh. Geologists. That's interesting. Caleb claimed that this was because the deposits looked unique and were not usually associated with gold. Meaning, I'm guessing, however they were storing the gold inside the walls, it was hidden in a way where from 
the outside it would not appear to be like an old gore vein or a gold oh, gore vein. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because you usually, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I've heard you usually find gold with um, uh, granite deposits, don't you? you? You find, yeah, it'll be with its like buddies and rocks. So you can, right. if you find this kind of rock, you know that this kind of rock will also be in the area. Sure, okay. Just like if you're eating bread. Or is it quartz? Maybe it's golden quartz. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. But but just like if, you, if you're if you eating a loaf of bread, you know there's flour in it. Like sure, it's sure. Just like okay. If one, mm-hmm. the other, for mm-hmm. sure. And so he's like, it's not the same. It doesn't look like where you'd find other gold. It's huh. different. He, he said, quote unquote, the geologists were looking in the wrong place. Of course they were. Um, Thomas was recu- recruited to Minersville to help develop silver mines in the 1850s and died there in 1869. Hmm. Um, but the mines left behind by the Rhodes pe- family have inspired uh, gold seekers to scour the area for clues leading to the missing uh, uh, to the missing mines. This has led to missing people injuries and sometimes death some people froze to death some were killed by natives some even killed each other and many believe the mines are cursed uh yeah so i would like i i sent you some stuff i would like yes yes so speaking on the mines being cursed Mm -hmm. um they're just like in every other national forest around the cave systems, there are a ton of missing people in the Wa- that have gone missing in the Wasatch National Forest. Just because people are dumb. Okay, I am... I don't... Okay, so I think that's the one that you're starting with. Yeah. So, okay. the Wasatch National Forest uh, is 8,000... 86,440 acres large Mm -hmm. and was established in 1906. So this was about 50 years after the roads had even been there. Right. But now that it's a national park, there is a limit on where people are allowed to go freely and mine and do anything. Hunt for diamonds. I mean, yeah, it really limits it. And, and also correct me if I'm wrong, but there is still tribal reservation land Oh, absolutely. In that area as well. The Utes have actually, comparatively to some of the natives that I've seen here in Idaho, a relatively large reservation. Yes. Like... I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. If you've ever been down that way, they they do have a a good deal amount of land. And you have to get special permits for going to lakes on their land, going fishing on their land. You cannot hunt on their land. Nope. That's a no-no. No. We had to go through like a week's worth of stuff to go to. There's like this crescent moon lake near Roosevelt that we wanted to go to, and we had to fill out all this paperwork just to go to the lake. Wow. So, yeah, it's a big Okay, but it's was, a thing. I was curious with that much land and how many people have literally died on the search for Rhodes Gold Mine, what the National Forestry Service has to say on spelunking or cave exploring. Oh, mm-hmm. Which is a common pastime in the Uinta Basin. Let sure. me be clear. We all went spunking. It was just a thing you did. Yeah. Just well, around spunking. here, it's it's the lava tubes and the lava yeah. caves. It's and, just ropes, yeah. flashlights, granola bars. Let's sure. Go poke around a cave. Yeah. Like 
you know, why not? Um, so this is what they say are the rules. Number one, kids should never explore caves without an adult. <laughs> Oops. Mm. <laughs> Each person must have at least four reliable lights. Oh. Because they are so dark. If you've ever gone past like 50, 30 feet into a cave, you can't see anything. Yeah, it's it's literally the blackness of nothing. The void. Yeah. 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 So Rhodes is going in there with a torch by himself. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Not with backup lights, probably. Right. So right. So already broke one of the rules. At least he's not a kid, so yeah. Didn't, okay. Didn't break the other one. Um, never ever go into a cave alone. The minimum. <laughs> the minimum is four people. If someone gets hurt, one person can stay with the hurt person while two go for help. Okay, that's fair. Uh, one person should wait at the entrance of the case while the first fourth person notifies the sheriff or park rangers. This makes it easier for the cave. Uh, to find the cave again when rescues arrive. That's fair. Yeah. Always tell a responsible adult exactly where you're going. <laughs> he did not tell any responsible adults exactly where he <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know where I'm going? Don't run or jump in a cave. Oh well, I'll give you to him. He probably didn't run or jump in that's, a cave. That's like a no-brainer. You jump in a cave, you'll hit your head on a stalactite and you're done you would not believe how many people i've watched run into the cave and smack their self on oh my giddy on tripping or hitting their head oh, on a, a roof that was lower people just expected. stop it <laughs> no jumping or running in caves uh don't go in a cave when there's rain predicted for the area he didn't know when rain was predicted he probably broke that one yeah uh, caves flood suddenly uh never touch or damage the stalactites or other cave formations he definitely Oh, he touched all of them. He touched every single one of them, yep. for sure. Yep. Uh, and number eight, the best way to explore caves is to go on an organized tour. He, right. He couldn't have followed that. No. But they have really strict rules, even in today's world, for sure. going into caves because of how dangerous it is, especially to go alone. Right. Especially to go alone. And yet he was going in alone consistently. Right. This is the dude. Which makes me think. He's an old man. Which makes me think, did did he really, like, he, he probably didn't have to go that far into the cave. No, I wouldn't want to. That's that's what I'm thinking. He, he must not have had you to. You know, because I mean, if you're, okay, okay, another hypothetical. You're carrying 62 pounds of gold on your onesie and you still have to carry a torch. How far are you going to carry all that gold in while carrying a torch in the dark before you finally say, Not nah. very far. Not very far. Right. Um, there have been found markings in the supposed area where the gold mine was. From Spanish conquistadors carved into trees. Oh, Um, like they were looking for something? And other markings to try and help them find their ways through stuff. So there's lots of carvings into trees to try and help them sort of. So they knew they were on a trail of sorts. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And before I get into some of the local stories I've heard about finding it, um... There is a company that claimed to have found it. What? 
What? I don't believe them for a second, but, oh, okay. but here it is. In an interview with Mr. Bullock, he stated the mine was originally discovered by Indians in the area called Caleb Rhodes. He continued, was a liaison and um, for the Indians and Brigham Young, who was believed to use the gold to mint money by early settlers of Utah. Uh, the gold vein, said Mr. Bullock, is 600 feet in width by 2,000 feet in length, and in contact with a vein between profiteral and quartzite. Um, operation of the mine will begin soon and the Bullock Mines and Oil Corporations. So this is them basically saying, hey, we think we found the Rhodes Mine and we would like the rights to it. Oh. And they got a reply saying, to the best of my knowledge, the following is a true history of the Rhodes Mine map copy, which I have in my possession. The original map from which I made. This copy on paper was made by a small piece of buckskin about as large as one's hand and owned by Ortiza Rhodes, who was slain by Indians and robbed of the map. Oh. Yeah. So they go on to say, basically, hey, I have what is the supposed map and wherever you are, whatever gold you found, I don't care. It's not where this map is pointing to. What? So, this is a copy, a paper copy of the, what was on the skin. Right, right. So, he has a lake, and he shows, okay, here's this river, here's this trail, and here is a fork in the road. You're going to take a left at the fork in the road, you're going to come across three somethings, you want to go down the middle something, tree, there's the gold. That's how he... Th this is absolutely crazy because it's when you look at it it's not really a map it's like legitimately if you said okay go down the street three blocks turn left you'll you'll pass a little pond on the one side you'll pass this on the other side and if you go and take that left and keep going you'll just find you'll just walk right into the gold yeah it's this like, is not a map this is like it's someone so vague him to go and him jotting down something to make himself oh gosh wow so I, being the person that I am. Oh, what did you do? I was looking on Wasatch National Forest for uh, hiking trails and things like that. I wanted to see the layout of the area there. Oh, I, yeah. I couldn't really find any good hiking trail maps that weren't something you had to pay for, which I thought was weird. That's ridiculous. Okay. But, you know. Trust, Again, capitalism. Trusty Google Maps. Here okay. is that rock creek that he depicts in his map going up this way. And oh. then over here is uh, Lake Fork Mountain, which is mentioned also on his map. And here is a circular lake like he has on his map. Now he says you go up and there comes a fork. And there is this like fork here and here. And you right. That, that's in the mountain range so that you can go, you go through the mountain range into another little valley kind of. Yeah. So there's this left here, this dramatic left like he depicts yeah. on the map. So I had to go see kind of what was by there. So I did a little zooming in. So are you telling me that you just found the Lost Ro Roads Mine, no, Amanda? No, I haven't gone there and actually seen if there's gold. So Okay, so road trip? Yes. Yay, road trip. So I pulled up the like different version where it shows sort of the, the more geological. So it's this, oh. this canyon here. Okay. Okay. 
And then I, of course, I zoomed in because I love you, and why wouldn't I? Of course. And I went, zoomed in, and there's a few different, you know, paths that you could follow along here. Sure. So I thought to myself, well, he circled the middle path, so what What if I just go ahead and take a look-see here on the middle path and zoom in and see what I can find? And it looks like something just trailing off into a dark hole in the abyss of the mountains. Oh my gosh. So we're going on a road trip. We're going on a road trip. <laughs> those are those those are cave entrances. Right? Without Those a are legitimately cave entrances. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And that looks very much like an old trail of someone going in and out of that area. And conveniently enough, no roads connect to it and from what I could tell from the few trail maps I could see, no trails go into it either. That's insane. You just found the Lost Roads mine. I hope so. I would like to be rich. That would be amazing. Okay, road trip. Okay, so the stories I've heard of the Lost Roads mine in the area and people running into it have varied far and wide. Some people claimed that um, they found the markings on the trees and it was too dark and they went back and could never go find the markings. Some people claim that they went inside and stood on the piles and piles of gold only to leave the cave to get something to bring it back in and never find the cave again, even after leaving markers to find no entrance was where they once had seen it. Wow. I have heard stories of people who have tried to interrogate the natives to get the location because it's said that the natives still hold that information and that it's been passed down through their chiefs as to the information to where wow. the school is. That said, the Ute community is not exactly what I would call a prosperous one. And so if they do have access to that knowledge... right. I'm wondering why they wouldn't be taking advantage of the money that it would offer them other than bringing it to the attention of people might also bring it to the attention of, we can just take this away from you. Right, right. Well, in my research, um, one of the reasons why Brigham Young kept it so hush-hush and agreed to only have one man involved in getting it is because everyone already knew the chaos that was going on in California with the gold rush. And he's like, the last thing we want is an influx of heathens into our area looking for this massive treasure and, we need, and gold. Both us and the Utes can agree right. that we don't want extra noses in this. Exactly, exactly. And so I, I can see why they kept it so hush-hush. Right, but... But the real mystery that comes with Rhodes Mine, besides the fact that there's just a random stash of gold that the Mormons had access to, mm -hmm. that we have documentation they clearly had access to. Right. But the real interesting fact is that it has not been found. Like they had it and they lost it. Literally. And so, uh, okay, so then again, we circle back, so Lost Roads Mine. So we we know this mine exists. I, I have heard so many stories of people saying it appears and disappears at will. And that it, it... Well, what I know of natives, 
Um, I, I know more of the Navajo culture than the Ute, but they're fairly similar. Um, sacred objects are sacred objects. And it doesn't matter if that sacred object is a cave full of gold. That's a sacred object. Yeah. I- and, they, and no amount of money will change that fact. So if it is something sacred to them, I can totally understand why they would keep it completely to themselves off the radar of other people. Absolutely. I mean, even if I were to stumble upon those stockholds of gold, I don't know that I would just... If I came out of that cave with like pounds and pounds of gold, I'd be questioned everywhere. Oh, yeah. They'd be like, where'd you get it? Yeah. Where'd you get it? Where uh, did you mine it? Did you have legitimate claim to that mine? Where did you find it? I mean, you legitimately could not do that nowadays. You, I would you, never. I would get a never-ending stream of questions. If yeah. it's not my land, there's no way I would yep. be allowed to possess that gold. Yep. Period. It would be confiscated off of me. There would be way too many questions. Yep. For real. Yep. yep. Agreed. Yeah. Now, I also heard from a local that they think it's on that they think the Lost Roads mine is located on Tabby Mountain. Okay, so that's the thing. The location I was showing you in those mountains is just north of Tabiona. So it, it it legitimately could be Tabby Mountain? It legitimately could be. Mind blown. Yeah. Okay. So our Tabiona viewers... Our, our Tabiona peeps, we're going to send you some if you, deets. If you want to split some gold with us and you'll yeah. pick it up, like, we'll do like a 60-40 split, you know, 40% for the Finders Commission and you can keep the 60 Yeah, yeah, yeah. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. But here's what I think. In all genuineness, I think whoever stockholded the gold there, I presume the Aztecs, sure. and I presume that the Spanish conquistadors did put the youths to work at trying to get as much out as they could. Mm-hmm. I think that the Aztecs, being as smart and proficient with building as they were, created a false cave wall. Oh. For, and we've discussed this with, like, uh, yep. the Coral Castle, with how you can yep. make a nearly seamless door. I think they created a false cave wall which is why the geologists were looking in the wrong place and why it didn't look like a usual deposit of gold because okay it wasn't and i think that's why it disappears and reappears that's some indiana jones shit i think it is yeah i genuinely think it is i think it's a work of ingenuity at hiding their precious stock sure and only telling the only people they probably thought they could trust because if they had ties up in Utah back in their ancestral days, they probably had ties to the Ute tribe Sure. way back then and thought the Utes are the only ones we can truly trust with all these white people coming in. Ancestors. We will give the information to them and no one else. Yeah. Well, and, and you look at it too. I mean, the, the Spaniards, the conquistadors were so dead set on finding that finding gold, finding the hoard, finding the next, that I could see as they were traveling north looking for the Montezuma treasure, that they legitimately would have done that. They would have taken all the natives and said, okay, I want you to go dig over here because that's usually where gold is, or dig over here because that's where usually gold is. And they legitimately, as they moved north trying to find the Aztec treasure, 
they legitimately put the natives to work trying to find more gold deposits. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, they were relentless and ruthless when it came to that, if oh, you ask me. Absolutely. I, it, yeah. I, I think people would have every right to be hiding as much of that from them as they could when they're treating them this way. Yeah. But it is it is crazy to me how 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 much money is potentially sitting there in the mountains. Right. And yet... Our government hasn't touched it's it. It's lost. It's just gone. It's a lost. A lost gold mine. That is so crazy. I like the story. I do too. It's like a treasure hunt. It, it Oh, it, I think it's part of why people in the basin go splunking so much is there's this little background hope uh, that you're going to be the one group to find To actually gold. stumble in that cave. Me and my friends had- That a, has gold. Me and my friends had a pact- that if we found the gold, we would immediately take whatever we could carry so that if we lost the cave, exactly. we'd, we'd still You had up. proof. <laughs> you had proof that yeah. you were there. We, we were, you could just lay gold bar bread, bread crumbs back to it after that point. I oh, mean, I'm telling you, people say they've left markers up into the cave and cannot get back to it. That's really crazy can't. to me. That I mean, dudes, if you find it and you don't take any of that gold and and I mean, come on. Come on. I don't but to be fair, okay. If if it's sacred and and there could potentially be a curse. I don't know. Would you I don't know. Would you take cursed gold? Oof. That's like pirates of the Caribbean stuff right? like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Now that you put it that way, I don't know. I but don't would know. I tea? <laughs> would I tea in a cave full of gold? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. All day long. 110%. I need a summer just down in the Wasatch Mountains. Can you think about it though? I mean, if if you legitimately they they were giving dimensions. Can you imagine if you walked into a cavern in this cave and were surrounded by gold? That your torch would just reflect off of all that refined gold and it would just be like not quite daylight, but I'm I'm assuming some, that it would be yeah. National Treasure Indiana Jones shit. Yeah. Yeah. It would just light up the whole thing. I, I can't I feel like if you're in the middle of a deep dark cave in, in Utah and yeah. you your flashlight catches this room full of gold, my first impression is probably gonna be I've gone insane. I need water. <laughs> I, I, I would be like, Shibaba! Because <laughs> I totally watched Eldorado, like oh, Eldorado yeah. with my kids. That was like one of my I favorite. I feel like all 2000s kids like grew a deep obsession with Eldorado. Exactly. Like, yeah. How could you not like Eldorado? Come yeah. on. So treasure hunters follow the cave rules because they're there for a reason. Don't run or jump in the cave. And I demand. Just don't. I demand a finder's fee. <laughs> and take some tea with you so you don't get dehydrated. Yes. Uh, I think I think that wraps up today. It does wrap up today. That was a good one. I like that one. We There's should do still... more treasure hunty type oh, mystery yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. There's some in some For other sure. countries that I'd love to. Oh, yeah. Oh. That I'd love to delve into. Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, but in the meantime, uh, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and 
Email us at steepedmystery at in, or info at steepedmystery. If you know of other treasures out there or treasure hunts, hey, hit us up. Let us know. And you know what? Keep it steeped and catch us next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.